All right, so uh, this is Jeremy Eilert. Um We'll have a video here in just a second, but um, Jeremy has uh, been a great friend of this church. Um, as some of you may know, when we started out, we were supported by the North American Mission Board, which Jeremy works for, and uh, he has been in our corner. He has been support. He has been encouragement, even though most of you probably haven't met him. Hmm. Um, he has been a very big friend of this church, and so I am honored and pleased to uh, have Jeremy join us. <laughs> Um, so if we've got that video ready, let's go ahead and start that real quick. Thanks. This is what the world looks like sometimes. Look at faces in a crowd and it's easier to see the crowd, not the faces. It's the way we are. But zoom in to one face, one person at a time. And if you look close enough, you might see what we see. The girl who gets high every day before school so she won't feel anything. Or the just immigrated Chinese mom who teaches her kids there's no God because that's all she's ever known. Where the world sees a crowd, we see a person close up. We're the ones who speak hope to them. We're the missionaries you send when you give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We see what hope can do, and we can't sit still. Because this hope, it's the hope of the gospel. It's a powerful thing. It pushes us to leave whatever is comfortable. It shows the lost someone is looking for them. And it gives you, and us, a mission to complete together in Puerto Rico and Portland and Montreal and Miami, in college towns and small towns and big cities, in every language, in every North American life, Jesus saves. We've seen it. And all he asks is that we, missionaries, churches, everyday believers, share what we have. Give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, and this is what happens. New churches start. Those who are far off are brought near. And together, we send hope. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. And uh, I know maybe you didn't have a lot of choice in the matter, but you didn't walk out when I came up here. So anyway, thank you so much. But as Jordan said, um, I, I love, absolutely love City Life Church and what God is doing here. I've had a chance to know Dale for a while. And um, we also want to say thank you. Um, and when you see that video and you see all of these faces and all of the different church plants that are going on all over the all over the United States and Canada, and this is just um, our you know North American side, and there's all types of things that are going on all over the world. Your church is a part of that, as and and you're a part of our network, and that's what's so cool of churches. And um, little, little story about myself, um, kind of getting started, so you know more about me, just so I'm not some just some denominational guy that comes in, but. North American Mission Board. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide, if you don't mind, show my family. There we go. So this is my family. And I just realized I'm going to have to get a new picture because this is from last year on their birthdays. My boys are uh, uh, March 24th and 25th are their birthdays. So two years apart, almost exactly. So 
Um, Logan was pretty stoked about the Minions birthday cake uh, that day. So, um, yeah, just my, my wife, Natalia, um, we've been married for coming up on 14 years now, which is insane. And my kids will be turning seven and five. So uh, just an absolute privilege. And so my wife and I, um, uh, my wife is actually from Uruguay originally in uh, South America. I usually give that little buffer because a lot of people don't know where it is. It's kind of a small country. Um, I didn't really know where it was when we first met, but I was trying to act cool because I was trying to, you know, get to know her a little bit more. So I was like, South America, she's like, yeah, that's right. I was like, score from, from that standpoint. But, uh, but yeah, down there by Brazil and Argentina. And so my wife and I, uh, we moved, we felt called to church planting in 2010. So uh, in San Diego. So we moved out here. Uh, we we uh, left our jobs. We left our homes. Um, we sold a lot of our stuff and gave some stuff away, what people wouldn't buy. And we drove in a, a, a Toyota Corolla. It's actually the car I'm driving today, that same Toyota Corolla. We put everything we could in our car because we didn't want to spend a lot of money to move all of our stuff across the country. It was just us two at the time. And we mailed our clothes, you know, just hoping that they would make it. And uh, so we got here and we apprenticed and learned with a church plant in Allied Gardens area not too far away from here, Mission Trails Church. And uh, eventually, after about a year and a half, two years, they uh, kind of confirmed the call in our life. So they sent us out to church plant in Mission Valley. And so we did that from uh, basically, that's still my home church, where I go from 2012 until the end of 2012 until about 2016. I started working with the North American Mission Board. So I say that, um, and when my, it's crazy because my wife and I, when we were these boys, these guys weren't here <laughs> when we moved out here. So it was just my wife and I, and I look back and um, two, two ideas come to mind. One, the uncertainty when it comes to church planting, the challenge of, you know, the fear in some ways in church planting. Is this, is God going to provide? I know we're called to do this, but is God going to provide? And what I've seen through this period is God is faithful. God is faithful. He will always, he will, he will maintain his word. He will use your life as he calls you and he directs you. And uh, even if you're new, even if you're uh, not a Christian or you're just checking um, Jesus out, I can promise that his, his uh, faithfulness is, is true to you as well, if you will give him the opportunity. And we're going we're gonna to look at that more today. But as I come here, it's just, I'm so grateful that I get to be here with you guys today because I just, I love to be a part of church planting. And, 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 and I don't think you guys even realize how important your church is in what you're doing and, and how uh, powerful what you're doing really is. As there are thousands of communities just like yours all across North America that are in the urban core of, uh, of, of major cities that have major needs for church plants. And my, my, myself, me personally, I grew up in a very small part of Arkansas initially, but then I moved to a suburb of Little Rock. And so in a lot of ways, just this school reminds me so much of the school that I grew up with. And what I'm so, what I'm so grateful for is that the kids, the families, the teachers, the communities around here, that there is a church here full of people who love them and that are making a home, a church uh, ready to welcome them to experience Jesus. So, so today, um, as, we, as we look at God's word, what I wanna do, I'm gonna come up here. I don't know where Dale normally speaks, but I'm gonna come up here a little closer. Right, right here, yeah, that would be Dale. That makes sense right there. Um, but. Um, I'll just, I'm going to stand up here and we're going to be looking at um, how God can bring us 
through uncertainty and fear. Because what I said is that God is faithful to us. He's been faithful to my family, and I've seen that. But, you know, maybe you're not a church planter, you're not serving in church, but I can guarantee you, you have uncertainty or fear in your life. And I had a pastor once tell me, you're either coming out of a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm and you just don't realize it yet. So we are all going to have those moments of uncertainty and fear, but it's how do we respond and, and how, how, should we, how should we live and, and how should we make decisions in that moment? And today we're, we're going to be looking at that and um, we're, we'll be looking at Matthew and, and the gospel of Matthew. And, and just before I, before I jump in there, I just want to briefly talk to you a little bit about the gospel of Matthew. Um, one, um, I, I like to tell people, you know, a gospel is like a, it, today it would be almost like a Netflix documentary about Jesus. And these guys that live with Jesus, they wrote his experiences down. And we have four of them in the New Testament. It's amazing uh, a book that was written in four different ones from four different perspectives to help us have faith in, in Jesus and to know who he is and what he's about. And so, but the people, as, as much as we can look back and we know things about Jesus, you know, about Easter and all these things, the people just didn't understand who he was at that time. And they wanted him to be someone else than who he, he was. And in many ways, they wanted him to be a, he, he came to be a Messiah, which is basically a, uh, God's anointed one. He was going to be the savior for, for the Jewish people. And the Jewish people were living under the captivity of Rome at this time. And, and so they were oppressed and, and they wanted Jesus to be almost like gladiator, uh, Ma- Maximus. You know, you guys remember that movie? I, I looked this up as I was preparing for the sermon. That came out in the year 2000. Does that not, that's like almost 20 years ago. I said, I feel old. I, I still, I keep reference that movie. It's going to be like 40 years. I'm going to be talking about Gladiator. And they're like, that was so long ago. But, but anyway, um, they wanted him to be a military leader, a ruler. But Jesus said, that's not what I came. My kingdom is not of this world. And he was very different from the beginning. And um, I, I want to look at Matthew 4, 17 through 19. I'll just read these uh, very quickly. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus, this, this sounds normal to us, but Jesus, it was so different because one, he said, repent, uh, stop leaving, uh, going away from God and comes back to him because he has come near to us. He, his, his kingdom has come near and this was hope. Many people in Jesus's day did not have hope. They felt like some people were born and just had God's favor, and some did not. If you were poor, if you were a, a position of low priority, God just didn't care about you as much. That's how things had gotten away from what um, God originally intended. But Jesus said, repent, because God's kingdom is near. He is close to you, but you need to follow him. And Jesus picked people that we would not have picked to be his leaders. He picked uh, James and John, just these regular people. And he said, come and follow me. And, and, and this went on even more. And he, they were uneducated, normal men. And eventually, what was, what's really crazy is 
Jesus picked this guy named Matthew, who was a tax collector, to write, uh, document the story of the gospel. And here's what we have in Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. So Jesus called this man Matthew a, a tax collector I mean, does anybody, I always ask this, does anybody work for the IRS right now? Just in case, before you bash them, you always ask if they're there. No, I, I really appreciate that. It's not a popular job, as, as we uh, all may know, but it was even worse in Jesus's day because they worked for the Roman government, so they were viewed as traitors, and, and, and many times they would often, often steal from the people who were, they were taxing. So they would take the uh, Roman cut, and then they would take their own little cut. And they would say, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell, tell the Romans? Because I'm your boss. I'm not going to tell them myself. So you have no, no power, no hope. They were not even welcome at church, at the, at the Jewish synagogues. They were not, nobody wanted them to be there. And Jesus picked this person because his kingdom, is, his, his ways are different than our ways. In, in Isaiah 55, it says that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so his ways are above ours. And, and what, what that means is w- there's times when we, we feel uncertainty and we feel fear and we don't have his perspective. Or we see, you know, we look around at his followers and he's got these regular guys or, or we look at who he chose to do things and it was these unlikely people that... We, and we wonder, God, are you there? Are you, are you really working? Are you moving? And he is. And he does so in powerful ways. And, and as, I, as we look at this, this account today, uh, from where it's, it's very, no, very well known as when Jesus walked, or walked on the water and Peter walked on the water. But we're going to see how we can have faith and courage in moments of uncertainty. Because God is near to you. He has not forgotten you. He sees you. And, and most of all, he wants to grow you through challenging circumstances, but he also wants to use your life as a testimony so other people can be encouraged by the way that you live. So let's, let's read Matthew 14, verses 22 through 36, and we'll, we'll have these on the screen. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to, uh, to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So let me give you a little backstory here. Um, Jesus just fed the 5,000. You know, that's a, that's a popular story where they, all these people came to hear Jesus and see him, and there wasn't enough food for them, and the disciples wanted them to, Jesus to send the people away, and Jesus said, no, you feed them. And they were like, Jesus, how are we going to feed these people? There's, there's, that was just, the, there were 5,000 men, and way more women and children would have been there also. And remember, this is the days before the days of Costco. So they just couldn't go like buy big, you know, big things of bottled water and go buy those pizza stacks and those $5 Costco chickens that I really like. You guys know what I'm talking about. But um, you, they, you just couldn't do that. They didn't even have the food around. And, but Jesus, once again, he did the unexpected and he took five loaves and two fish and he gave thanks, and he, 
and he, and, he, and he gave it away and he broke the bread and he gave thanks and he just kept doing that until everybody was fed and there were even leftovers, which was so awesome. You know, they had those little doggy bags going from, from there. So it was just amazing. And then uh, at the same time, um, Jesus' best friend really on, that understood about who he was, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded, had just been killed because of his, his faithfulness to uh, speak God's word. And so Jesus, now he, is, he needs a little break. <laughs> he has been ministering and serving really 24-7 in, in many ways. And so he sends the disciples away and he just needs a little Jesus time at this point. So this is where we jump into verse 22. Verse 23, it says, After he had dismissed them, he went on a, up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now, we've heard this story. Most of you maybe have heard this story if you grew up in church. If not... It sounds pretty strange, you know, just for a guy to start walking out on the water. But all of us, if we were in that boat, we would have been terrified too, okay? Because people just don't walk on the water. That just doesn't happen. Um, You know, there's no trick. Jesus is just doing this. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter, I love Peter. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of, the pla- of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. So when I, when I teach, I like to give just a few simple things for you guys to write down if you want to take a note in your phone or maybe write on your, your bulletin or on your invite somewhere. Um, these just three things to take away. The first is be courageous in Jesus while facing fear. Be courageous in Jesus while facing fear. And, and first we see Jesus really model this as, you know, once again, he had just fed the 5,000 and, uh, but, and he is doing so much ministry. He is living in a time when everybody is confused about what he's supposed to do. Everybody wanted him to take over the Roman government. And Jesus said, I didn't come to do that. I didn't come to start a political party. I didn't come to set up an earthly kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. I am here to be about my father's business. And the only person that really understood his ministry was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had just been killed. He had just been uh, beheaded. And Jesus, it would, you know, and we, the, the word teaches us in Hebrews that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. So I think at this point, Jesus was tempted to feel fear, to, to, to feel anxious or to feel worry. And do you know how, how, he, how he did it, how he dealt with it? He went up 
on a mountainside to pray. He, rem- he just spent time with his father and he, he modeled that for us, what he needed to do, and, and he lived it out himself. And, and, and for us, he, that's the same thing that, that he wants us to do is to take courage when we, fa- when we feel fear. That's, that's the first thing. Have you guys ever been uh, so afraid uh, in a situation that you were running for your life? Anybody had that situation? I had that happen. Um, I grew up, as I said, in, a, in an area of Arkansas where I, I did a lot of yard work. In Arkansas, everybody has to do yard work. I don't really, I'm done with yard work, to be honest. But uh, I used to do uh, like, like yard work commercially. So I would do it for a lot of people. And one day I was mowing the yard and I didn't realize it, but there were yellow jackets in the ground. And, but when you're running the mower, you can't hear anything. And so since they were living in the ground, I mowed right over the top of the nest. And, and what I didn't realize about yellow jackets at that time is they're really, really smart insects. Because not only do they, um, one, they all wait around on your body and they will sting at the same time. They're, they're coordinated. So you, I didn't get like a warning sting. It was like they all stung at once. And additionally, once they sting you, they can like sense the, the poison that they inject and they won't quit until they, that thing runs away or it dies. I guess those are the two options that are there. So me being a 10th grader, um, never was the fastest guy, but pretty quick. I got stung and I don't know what happened, but 10 simultaneous stings. And when they sting you, they don't die. You know, bees, they sting and they die. Yellow jackets just do, 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 just keep going over and over again. So I just jump and run and take off. And, bef- and I'm having to take my clothes off because they're all in my clothes. They're in my hair everywhere. It's just horrible. So I get, end up, I end up a quarter of a mile away and I'm like basically in my underwear, just in my neighborhood with yellow jacket stings all over my body just from the fear. And I don't, like I had tunnel vision. I, I didn't stop to think, you know, I'm taking my clothes off. Is it embarrassing, you know, for everyone? I just was, I just knew I had to respond because I was literally running for my life. And my neighbor was elderly. And I think if he had been, I don't know what would have happened if that had been him, he wouldn't have been fast enough to get away and they would have just kept swarming him. Um, so it was crazy, crazy situation. So in those moments, it's good to run away, but you can't live that way forever. And here's what, here's what happens in life is when we, when we feel fear, when we feel anxiety, and if we allow it to control us, we get tunnel vision. We, we don't even see the options that are available. If you've ever uh, been in a swimming pool or with, seen a lifeguard or a coast guard try to save someone, sometimes people literally can drown in standing water. I mean, literally, they could just stand up sometimes and be okay. But in fear, you don't realize that. You don't think and it's dangerous. And I love what Paul wrote to a young pastor in Second Timothy. He said, for the spirit God gave us, God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God, fear is never from the Lord. He, he never wants you to, to be driven or, or dominated or controlled by fear. But the first thing is we feel an uncertainty, we feel anxiety, and it could be economic. You know, maybe you're, you're facing some challenges with how you're going to pay for this or, or, or with your job. I know the economy has been unstable here recently. Maybe you're, you're facing that or maybe there's some situation at work that's causing you fear and anxiety or with your family or from the past. And it's weighing on you. It's holding you down. 
And the first thing that, that Jesus wants us to do is just to remember that he's there and that he loves us and he's available for us and to take courage in him. And if you already know Jesus, it's to remember that. And if you, if you don't know Jesus or this is, this is new to you, then be encouraged that he is there. The Bible says that he is, Jesus is close to the, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That he goes out of his way to be, to be near and present, to make himself known in those moments. So that's the first thing to know is not, is just to have courage and, and, to, and to rest in him. And rest in him. And the second thing that we see, the second note that you guys can take is to put faith in Jesus in action where he leads you. And so put faith in Jesus in action where he leads you. I think we can put that one up on the screen there. Awesome. Thank you. And so um, what, what I mean by that is, is Peter, you know, he's there and he, and he sees Jesus. And, and I, I love the question that he asks. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. That's a very honest question, right? I mean, that's, Lord, I want to believe this is something that I've never seen. <laughs> you, you know, you, somebody walking on the water and you asking me to step forward in faith and to trust you. Like if I jump in the water, I could die. <laughs> you know, I could drown. But if you're there and if it's really you, then I know you would invite me to come to you. And, and so Jesus, Peter was being asked to step out and, and, and literally to uh, make a, an action of faith, of, of pure trust in Jesus. Now, most of us, we're not going to uh, be asked to step out on the Pacific Ocean with Jesus, you know, and, and, and walk on the water. But there, there are certainly times in life where we're asked to take a step of faith in following him. And we say, Lord, this, I don't know if this is going to work out if I do what you say. Or if I follow you here, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Or Lord, I don't know what step I'm supposed to take. Now that I'm not being driven and dominated by fear, I can actually sort of take a step back and look at my options. And I'm like, Lord, where, where do I go? What step do I take? And that question Peter had, though, is so powerful for us today as well. And we, when we face uncertainty, what you can ask the Lord is say, Lord, where do I go? What, what step do I take? Where, what, how do I move forward? And, and it's not just through prayer, but, but reading the Bible and being a part of a church community. You, you have a lot of different ways that God can speak to you and he helps you. But it's when we have those, those moments of uncertainty, we can put our faith in action by seeking him and asking for clarification. I love Matthew 7. Uh, this is a, a portion of the Sermon of the Mount. It's the longest period of teaching that we have recorded from Jesus. And it says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though... You are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know what I love about Jesus is he knows what we need even before we ask. And, and I, there's so many times where, um, you know, there's some different religions or different viewpoints that really want to sort of make themselves the center of belief and to say, if, if I just ask this, then I'll get whatever I want. And there's, I'm so grateful that God doesn't just give me what I want. I'm glad that he gives me what, what I really need at the right time. 
It's just like as a parent, you know, for your parents, my kids want to sit at home. They want to watch movies all day and eat Cheetos and fruit snacks, you know, all day. That's which it's cool, maybe for an hour or something like that, but not all day. And if you do that, there's going to be dietary consequences, developmental consequences, obviously. And, and we understand that. But how we live sometimes with the Lord is, is we want to do those, those same things and we get frustrated when he doesn't just give us what we want, but get, he gives us what we need and he will always do that. But we need to ask him and then we, when we ask him, we need to follow him. And, and here's, here's a few areas of life that I, I've, I've seen that. One is to have integrity. Jesus calls us to be people of integrity. And do you know how, how rare that really is in our society today? Um, I used to work in, a, in, a, in, in the business world, and uh, the company that I work for is a great company. If I said the name, you would know it. I, I don't usually just speak it just to respect. I, they're not a Christian company, a great company, but I work for them. And um, what, what, there were many times where it would have been easy for me to lie or to, to fudge my numbers or, or as I was speaking to a customer to overpromise to make the sale, to, to make things improve. And some people, they did those things to get promoted sooner, to go ahead. And, and, but what I said is, I can't, how can I, one, if, if the Lord called me to move here to be a, a witness for him and to be a part of church plant, how can I go and lie and, and cheat at my workplace? And I said, I don't care what happens. If I lose my job, I don't care but I, I, will be, I want to be a person of integrity. And when I mess up, I want to be honest and let people know and do the best that I can to make things right. Integrity is really, really hard, okay? It's, it's challenging. But when we do that, we all want to be around people of integrity, right? I mean, if you have a business partner, don't you, want, you want your neighbor to have integrity, right? Because if they see something, you want them to help them out. And, and that's, those are the people that with my, my two little boys, when one day when they're married, I want them to marry women of integrity. That's, that's what I want. And so that's who we all want to want to hang around with. So Jesus calls us to be that. And it's hard and it costs us in the short run, but in the long run, that's what putting faith into action is. I want to, Jesus, I want to be a person of integrity and in certainty, we want to make sure that we have integrity. An, an, uh, another area that it can be really hard is forgiveness. You know, Jesus calls us to forgive in the same way that he has forgiven us. And, and forgiveness, there's, there's many misconceptions about it. it. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we forget that it ever happened. But what it means is that we, we say, I, I, I forgive you for what happened and I want to move forward. And what's, what's hard about forgiveness is many times you have to do it over and over again. If the pain is, is very lasting and deep, I've had a few instances in my life where, where people have hurt me very deeply. And it's just not like a one-time thing, but day by day, I say, and sometimes I'm, I've been honest with the Lord. I say, Lord, I don't want to forgive this person. I really don't want to forgive them. I say, but Lord, because you forgave me, I will forgive them. I want to show them the same grace that you showed me. And because I don't want to, to poison myself. Uh, bitterness is the pill that we swallow and we want someone else to get sick. And that's what, what 
holding for unforgiveness in our hearts. And, and people can tell me, Jeremy, you don't understand what happened. And I know I've heard some, I'm a pastor. I hear a lot of different stories of hurt and pain, and I've seen some, the ugliest things. And I would, the uglier something is, the more reason that you need to forgive. So you can move forward. But in the same way that Jesus has forgiven us, we want to forgive other people. And, and, and it doesn't mean like you trust them right away, but that forgiveness has to be there. Trust is earned. Forgiveness, it needs to be given because that's the way Jesus forgave us. And you'll never have to forgive people more than what Jesus forgave you. So that's putting faith into action. In, in uncertainty, when it relates to forgiveness, we need to forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. And some of you, though, maybe you haven't experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, and it's available for you. It doesn't matter what has happened, what you've done in your life, it's available for you today. And it's, it's amazing how you can forgive others when you have had God forgive you of every, every mistake that you've ever made and every mistake that you will ever make. But you need to put the faith into action. Jesus also says to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. This, to me, this is one of the hardest things about, about faith um, because every, a lot of different religions say that we should you know, do others, do things for others like that we would want them to do for us, or it says don't do for others what you wouldn't want them to do for you, but no other religion, no other viewpoint says love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do kindness to those who hate you. Give sacrificially to those who would steal from you or would harm you. And it's, it's so out of this world, it's very, very challenging. But Jesus, that's exactly what he has done for us. And that's what he calls us to do through his power and his grace. There's, there's bumper stickers that I see throughout, city, throughout the city, and they say, um, coexist. And it's got all the different religious symbols. And I, some of you may have it, so don't, I'm not trying to bash it. But what, it has all these different viewpoints. And the problem is that evil does not coexist, does it? I mean, evil just doesn't sit in its own lane. Evil goes and takes from other people. The only, and hate does not just leave others alone. Hate goes and steals and destroys whatever it can. But you know what overpowers that is love. And, and it says, in, in Romans it says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And, and we are not, Jesus did not call us to coexist with our neighbors. He called us to love our neighbors. He called us to love our enemies. And I love what your church is doing as you are not just sitting back waiting for, you're not just trying to coexist, but you are trying to actively engage with the community to let them know that there is a church here that loves them and cares about them. And it's gonna love them unconditionally. And whenever they wanna come to the service, you're, you're ready to welcome them, but you are actively going to, to live out. You're putting faith into action. So in moments of uncertainty, we want to look to find ways to love others, to show his grace and kindness. And it's amazing as we take steps of faith and we build on God's word, how, how the fog can move at different times. And what Matthew 7, 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of, of Jesus and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And everybody, I've got a little picture of a of building right here, I think. And everybody is building on something. You know, when you, the way that you make your decisions 
is really what you are building on. And what counts is not what you know, but it's what you do. And, it's, it's Jesus, and, and James, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And, and when the parts of, of Jesus' teaching that we really believe are the ones that we live out. And, and what, what counts for us is to put faith into action. But what I love about this story uh, with Peter is he steps out there and he starts, he's, he's doing it, right? And it's just like if I started walking off all this stage, you know, you'd be like, wow, what's going on? But he looked around and then he realized what was going on and he was fearful. And he said, Jesus, save me. And, and what did Jesus do? He just grabbed him. He just helped him. He took him right then. And he says, it just, I could just hear him kind of laughing as he's standing out there on the waves. He's like, Peter, why were you, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I'm right here, man. I'm here for you. It's okay. And in those moments of our life, when we try to do the really hard stuff that Jesus, that life is hard, okay? We, we all know that. We all have struggles and challenges and difficulties. And we try to have integrity. We try to forgive others. We try to love our neighbors. And sometimes we just say, Lord, I can't. I don't want to do this. This is horrible. Yeah. And what did Jesus say? What did Peter do? He just said, Lord, help me. Jesus saved me. And Jesus is always gracious. And he will always help us. And he loves to push us to those points where we realize we can't do it. And he's like, oh, Jeremy, I'm so glad that you know that because I was doing it the whole time. But now that you know that, I can really help you. And I'm going to do things that you didn't even think were possible. You know, when I, when I was called to, uh, to ministry, I thought I was going to just serve in this little town in Arkansas. Maybe I would pastor a church of 100 people. And I was cool with that. I had no idea what God was going to do with my life. And I look now and I see God has been so faithful in working and moving. And I, I see this church. You guys have no idea how God can change this community through your church, what he can do. But you just got to be able to take courage in the fear and put faith into practice, not just as, as a church, but as individuals. And when you, when you feel anxiety and you, don't, you feel like all hope is lost, cry out to him. And he's going to help you. He's going to assist you in that moment. And it's just like my, my son, my, my, one of my, my youngest son, Logan. Um, right now, I'm trying to teach him how to ride the bike. And uh, man, he just has some anxiety about it. And um, when I'm holding him, it's fine. He can ride and he can do stuff. But when I let go, he just, he won't let me let go. And it's like, Logan, dude, there's a lot of stuff that's out of control, but I can promise you my control. But at this point, you are not going to get hurt on this bike. <laughs> I am right here. I am with you. You can trust me. And I think in whatever area of your life that's coming to mind where you're feeling uncertainty, you can trust the Lord to be faithful. And as I'm saying that to my son, God's like, hey, Jeremy, why don't you put your own words into practice and trust me? And these areas are like, mm, touche, God, point, point well taken. You know, from, from that standpoint, God uses my kids to teach me so much. But, but the final thing for us, you know, to take courage in Jesus, to put our faith into practice, and then finally to understand that Jesus uses your faith journey to reveal who he is. It's a beautiful picture of what happens because once the boat landed on the other side, what did they say? They said, truly, this is the Son of God. And what they, they thought they had experienced, I mean, they just, as funny as, they just saw him feed 5,000 people 
or over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. You'd think that would have done something. But then they get out on the lake. He's walking on the lake. He gets Peter to walk on the lake, and they land over there. And he says, this is the Son of God, the absolute perfection of God. And it was in these moments that through the uncertainty in God showing up that everything was made clear. And, and God will often use uncertainty to help us reveal who he is. And it's not because God is a bad teacher. It's because we are slow learners. <laughs> and, and we can't, and he wants to do everything he can to teach us. And sometimes he has to put us in weird situations so our eyes will be open, so our tunnel vision will be broken. And so we can actually look around and see, I've been here the whole time. I'm ready to, to, to help you, to assist you. Will you just take my hand? Will you stop pushing me away and just let me, let me hold you? Will you let me carry you? This area of your life where you're struggling, will you just let me help you and stop fighting? And that's what, with lifeguarding and coastguarding, what happens is they have to wait until the person stops fighting and then they can really help them. Because if, if you're ever trying to help somebody in the water, you have to let them wear, wear out and basically surrender. Because once you surrender, they can just grab you and swim you to, swim you to the shore. But you have to be careful when, when someone is still fighting. And we just need to get to that point of surrender. And God will use us. And he will make his story known, his, his glory known to other people. I, the, one of my favorite uh, places to eat when I was uh, growing up, we'll show this next slide. It's, uh, it's a picture of an old uh, barbecue place. What I have found is that the, the worse that a barber, barbecue place looks on the outside, the better the barbecue is on the inside, you know, if it's still going. I don't know if you guys have, have seen that, but this is called Arthur's Barbecue. This guy actually was, the owner was 98 years old, and he ran it for basically most of his life. I, I just looked, I was thinking about this place not too long ago, and when you look there, it's not, it doesn't look like the cleanest place, does it? I mean, even everything is... It's a cloudy day. It's probably in the wintertime over there in Arkansas. And if the FDA looked close, there's probably some code violations going on over there. You know, the meat was good, fully cooked and everything. I never got sick, never had any problems. But the, the food was amazing. It was spectacular. And, and I remember in high school, you could go there for $2.50. You could get a whole lunch. And this was not, this was like two, the year 2000, so it wasn't that long ago. Maybe it's still going on today. Amazing, amazing place. And, and you know, for a lot of people, though, that don't know Jesus, this is sort of what it looks like to them. Going to church, following Jesus, you're just like, do I really want to go eat in there? Is it, but do you know what happens when a friend, and when I first started going to high school, um, my friends were like, dude, we gotta go, you got to go to this place. It's awesome. And they took me over there, and I was like, dude, the place is going to fall down if I walk in. I don't know if I should even eat here. And, but I paid my $2.50, amazing food. And I was sold at that point. And we were there. They would give numbers, and basically it would fill up, and they couldn't take any more people on lunch break. And, and, but for the people in the community, we all know that Jesus is trustworthy. We all know that he's amazing and powerful, and, and if people will, will experience Jesus, they'll, they'll know it too. But this is what it looks like to them on the outside. It looks strange and it looks different. What they need is somebody to invite them in and to let their life be an example for others to see. And so if, maybe if, if you're, a, you're a person that uh, follows Jesus and, and walks with him, um, 
when you face uncertainty, when you, if you can just take courage and step away from the fear and just think, Lord, what are you doing in this situation? You're doing something. You're getting ready to work in some way. Because, you know, once again, he fed the 5,000. We just go, oh, and you can, I can tell you in just in my life, we don't even have to pull out the Bible. I can tell you 50 times of how God has proven himself faithful. There is a problem, faithful, problem, faithful, problem, faithful, problem, faithful. You know, it's a pattern, right? Problem, faithful. And then I'll hit problem. And I'm like, oh God, what are we going to do? I don't know what's going to happen. And he's like, faithful, problem, faithful. It's going to be okay. And what I've learned in that picture is every time that he shows himself faithful, he makes himself known. So if you know Jesus, realize that God may be using your problem to prove himself faithful for you and for other people. And and if you don't know Jesus, I want to let you know that he wants to be, he is already the perfect father for you. He just wants you to to stop running away and to know his grace. You don't have to prove anything to him. We, we, uh, you know, growing up before I I became a Christian, I I wanted to, to do good things just to cover up my bad, but that's, that's the opposite of what the gospel is. The gospel, it's not about what we do for God, but it's about accepting what Jesus has already done for us. There's nothing that we can do to impress God. We just receive his grace, and then you can become this living portrait of God's grace. And as he changes your life, other people will be able to see who he is and know what he's about. And, and that's what this church is built upon. And, and, and that's the hope for this community. And you guys know this community faces challenges. I love, I love the Mount Hope area. I love this, this elementary school. And I want to see God do something amazing and powerful for his glory. But it's, it's not the way that happens is a bunch of people making individual decisions to say, I want to follow Jesus and I am not going to be driven by fear. I'm not going to be driven. I'm not, a lot, I'm not going to let anxiety drive me. But I'm going to let God's grace dictate how I feel and how I make decisions and how I live. And I trust you, God, that you are going to make, bring your name glory through my situation and through what I'm facing. And I promise this church... I, like when I, look, when I look back on my life, because I never thought I would do something like this. I know you guys see me. I never thought I would ever do be a pastor. I never thought I would work in the ministry. But I look back, I, you know, I was just sitting there worshiping. I think God has been so good to my family. He's been so good to me. And I would never have experienced that unless somebody started a church nearby me. And that's exactly what you guys are doing now. So just think about the thousands of people that you could impact in this community over the, over the next decades until Jesus comes back. But it all comes back to not being, taking courage in uncertainty, to putting our faith into practice and understanding that God's going to do something powerful through these, these challenges and difficulties that we're facing and so to, so to conclude, what I want to do is um, typically when I preach, I like to put a little prayer on the screen that kind of sums up um, what the message was about. And if you guys want to take a picture of that, you can. Or, um, you know, let me know, and I can even send you just this file if you'd like to have it. But just something that you can pray this week. 
Because sometimes we, we go and we hear a message and then we're like, well, what do, what do I need to do? What am I supposed to do? And the fir- a, a next step would be pray this. <laughs> pray for, for God to, to do this. So we'll take a moment to pray. And then one, I would say, if you know Jesus, what I, as I said before, whatever uncertainty that you're facing, trust that he is going to use that for his glory. And you just make sure you are putting your faith in Jesus into action. And if you don't know Jesus, if you've never been a follower of him, maybe you've never heard the gospel explained this way, or maybe it's just clicking today after hearing it for a long time. But I want to encourage you, implore you to receive God's grace, to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus and I receive his forgiveness on my life, and I want him to help me, to to guide me through life. And he will. And this will be the start of a new beginning for your life. So I know the band, the worship team, do you guys normally come up and play at the end, do do one song? Okay, Jordan's got it. We'll handle that. So I'm going to pray for us. And then um, just to give you uh, a moment to consider um, what next step God may be asking you to do. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. I praise you that you answer us when we cry out for wisdom and understanding from you. I'm grateful that you hold us up when we are weak and fearful. Jesus, please give me courage to trust you when I face fear and uncertainty. Make your glory known in these moments so we trust you more. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, come and speak here today. And I just pray for city life. I pray for every soul in here, Father, every child, um, every adult. I pray for this neighborhood, this, this community, that you would do a work so powerful and so mighty that even if we told, you told us today, we'd have, tr- we'd have trouble believing it, Father. And, and it's not uh, necessarily about numerical growth, but it is about life change. It is about your name being made known. And I know, Lord, you know the hearts, you know the uncertainty, the fear, the frustration, the pain, the hurt that people are are facing here, Father. And you are a perfect Father. You are ready to help. And Lord, I just pray all of us, every soul would just trust you, would just invite you to to move and to work and grow in us. And I I pray for City Life Church once again, Father, that for this, this community to know uh, the hope of the gospel that's found here and that help, help us, as help myself and, and our team to be able to serve this church more, to do whatever it takes to see this church uh, be, be established and grounded for decades to come or until your son comes back, that it would be a kingdom outpost to share your hope, your goodness, kindness, mercy, and, and to, to help restore this community by offering valid services and and assistance to people when they need it. We love you and we thank you that there is hope in the gospel and help all of us to experience that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.